Steven Stamkos reaches a new milestone. We've got hat tricks galore, and we'll take a look at some good players on some struggling teams. All that and a whole lot more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Gil Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And with me, as always, on Friday, Rachel Donner. You can find her on Twitter at rmiriam. I want to thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen today. We are free and available on all platforms and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Rachel, another Friday, and lots going on around the league. Steven Stamkos, 1,000 career points. We knew this was coming, but impressive nonetheless. Absolutely. Uh, of course, I got to see that as it happened because it was against my Philadelphia Flyers. But uh, it's still fun to see milestones like that. I love seeing first NHL goals. I love seeing milestone points, even if it is against my team. And the whole team left the bench to go congratulate him. Um, I certainly hope somebody grabbed that puck. And uh, it, it was actually really lovely to see. Steven Samkos is such a legend. And the fact that he has continued to play at this level, and especially after being hurt, for a little while on and off like to see him playing this kind of hockey right now is such a good thing it really is i mean here's a guy who is still at the age of 32 more than a point a game player 28 points right now in 23 games and uh what an amazing career he's had you know you go back to the twice leading the nhl in goal scored the 60 goal season back in 2011 2012 and, you know, he would have hit a thousand points sooner if we wouldn't have had two shortened seasons. And yet, in addition to all the individual accolades, obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning winning some Stanley Cups uh, due in part to his leadership. So it's it's been a heck of a career for Steven Stamkos. And we know he is a future Hall of Famer. Oh, most definitely. So uh, congratulations to Steven Stamkos on that uh, achievement. And what, you know, looking back now, he's been in the league 15 years, which is also pretty hard to, to believe. What, what stands out to you most about Steven Stamkos? Honestly, it's what he went through to get to winning that Stanley Cup. I think, you know, it's just, he's a guy that has, dominated games time and time again and he's so much fun to watch he's like literally I don't think there's anybody that dislikes Steven Stamkos out there he plays like a really clean game and he's just a nice guy and you just root for him like I, I just can't imagine not rooting for him as a hockey player like even if you dislike the team he's on like I would suspect even Florida Panthers fans like him 
(laughs) Just a little, maybe, but yeah. Just a little, yeah. (laughs) Just a little. So, yes, congratulations again to Steven Stamkos. And, you know, he wasn't the only one with a a big night last night. Jason Robertson, uh, another hat trick, reaches the 20-goal mark, first player in the league to do that this season. Uh, And Robertson and his team doing quite well right now. Oh, yeah. Robertson has eight goals in his last five games, 39 points in 24 games played, 17-game point streak. I mean, it's so funny. One of my favorite things in the NHL is when, or in sports in general, when somebody who really you know, is a good player, but isn't really expected to take over the league or lead the league in points or whatever it is, like some stat like that. Um, When they do that and they're at a higher level than, you know, let's say Connor McDavid right now, you know? Yeah. I I love it when guys come out of not really nowhere, but unexpectedly, you know, lead the league in points like this. And Jason Robertson is that guy and he's making the Dallas Stars a must-watch around the NHL and I just absolutely love it. Oh, uh, and he is fun to watch in the Stars right now. Like you said, you know, they are an enjoyable team to watch and another big win for them last night. And you know, we had a, a whole bunch of uh of hat tricks. I mean, Jordan Martinook also mm-hmm. getting the second hat trick of his career and uh you know, the Hurricanes looking pretty strong as well. Yeah, and it's almost like upsetting because Martinuk kind of got pushed under the rug a little bit, you know, <laughs> with his achievement just because of Jason Robertson and Steven Stamkos that we've talked about. But that's, you know, getting a hat trick is a very difficult thing to do uh, in the NHL. And it's just uh, really remarkable, I think, that even you know, some of the best players in history and that have been around for a, a long time don't have that many hat tricks in their career. It's it's a, a really a difficult thing to do. And it's I think sometimes we take it for granted because, you know, the spectacle of the hat trick with throwing literal hats on the ice and it's just <laughs> such a fun part of the game. And uh, but I think it happens often enough that we get to celebrate it, but it's rare enough that we understand just how difficult it is. Yeah, it, it is very difficult. You look at, like right now, a- Alexander Ovechkin, 28 hat tricks. He's the active leader. He is nowhere near the all-time leader, though, Wayne Gretzky with 50. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just like you think, are there any – chances for active players to get even remotely close to that and if if you're like well Ovi has just a little over half of what Gretzky has and he's the only one in legitimate contention and that's even wavering to get the scoring record you have to say like I don't know if that record is ever going to be broken I mean who knows but it feels like an untouchable record because and if you were to guess at the active player with the most second most hat tricks to Alexander Ovechkin, I, I'm almost certain you, nobody would get it. No, I, I agree with you. And, and and it's also way further down the all-time list. I mean, the, the next highest active player has exactly half the number of hat tricks 
that Ovechkin has. Ovechkin has 28, which is just a little more than half of Gretzky's all-time total. But, you know, the next highest player, why don't you tell us, you know, who that is? Because it's way behind uh, the grade eight. Yeah, Eric Stahl, man, 14 yeah. hat-tricks. Like, I never would have, without looking it up, I never would have guessed that. Because you look at the guys right underneath him that make a lot of sense. It's Malkin has 13, Crosby, Connor McDavid have 12, uh, David Pasternak has 12, right? All of those names make a lot of sense to me. Eric Stahl, uh, good on you, bud. Yeah, I mean, no, you wouldn't have expected that. And, oh, by the way, Steven Stamkos, 10 career NHL hat tricks as part of that thousand points that he now has reached. So, yeah, it's uh, not what you would necessarily expect. No, and you know, you look at Claude Giroux, and obviously, I've paid super close attention to his career. He only has one hat trick in his career. All that scoring, one hat trick. Yeah, they they are not easy to come by, and I, I think. In this era of hockey, it's even harder. I think if you go back to the 80s, which was Wayne Gretzky's, you know, heyday in the league, there were a lot more 8-6 games than we see now, where it's always, you know, 4-2 or 4-3. So it is tougher to get those hat tricks. And, you know, that record may last a very, very long time. I think so, too. But uh, still keep them coming because we like to see those hats get thrown on the ice. We do. You don't get those hats back, though. You never you're saying goodbye to the hat. (laughs) Yeah, there's a really good display of the hats at the Wells Fargo Center in like a glass case. Like they just put a bunch of the hats in there that you can see. It's really fun. Very nice. I love it. I love it. All right, we have got a lot more to get to on today's show. We have our look at the weekend's schedule ahead, and we're going to take a look at some very good players on some struggling teams. All that and more coming up. But first, Rachel, why don't you talk to us about our friends at Bet Online? Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, esports, and, of course, the NHL. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like ours, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix, so head to the website today or use your mobile device. You can learn more there. Bet online where the game starts. So, Rachel, we wanted to talk a little bit today about some players who are doing exceptionally well but are playing on some struggling teams. And, you know, let, let's start with, with the most obvious in my mind, which is Eric Carlson, who is just having a dominant season while the San Jose Sharks are struggling. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of brutal for the Sharks right now. And you have to think like how much more frustrating it is to have a guy with 32 points on your blue line and you're still losing games. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, you know, if he was on a better or more balanced team, Mm -hmm. do you think his numbers wouldn't be as good? Or do you think that, you know, playing on a, 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 a 
team that's struggling where he has to do so much, does that help him or hurt him, do you think, as far as his individual statistics are concerned? You know, I, I think a little bit of both, right? Because he can take over games and he's basically allowed to do whatever he wants because he's, you know, one, the best player on the team right now. And so I think that allows him some freedom to be creative and, you know, to play his kind of, of hockey. And I think that's what he's doing. And it also, I think, gives you the freedom to just have fun out there, right? And it feels like this is a rekindling season for him. We've talked about it before on this show. And I just think that to see him have this resurgence this season, like we said, it's a little unfortunate with the timing, but I think it's good for him overall, just, and it's good for hockey, frankly. Yeah, no, no question about that. Then we can take a look at Bo Horvat. You know, the Canucks got off to a very slow start. They're picking it up a little bit now, but Horvat right now, third in the league with 17 goals despite the fact that the Canucks are having a very uneven season. Yeah, man, Bo Horvat, I think, is just suffering from poor timing because you would have thought, like, especially in the last couple of years, that the Canucks had a chance to turn things around. And just from a management perspective, I don't think they've made the right moves. And I think Bo Horvat has suffered as a result of that uh, because his career, I think, has been timed in, in a really good way to have hit a good stride when the Canucks, in theory, should be doing the same thing. And they're not. And I just find that so frustrating for him on his behalf. It's got to be. It's got to be. And and yet he individually continues to shine. I mean, 17 goals in 24 games is uh, pretty elite territory. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, you think back to some other guys that have been really good players on struggling teams. I think Jack Eichel comes to mind when he was with Buffalo and, you know, Buffalo's getting a little better now. Um, they're still not great, but they're getting better to the point where you can't just call them basement dwellers anymore. And they've, they've got some good players having good performances on that team, but man, it just felt like Jack Eichel was languishing in Buffalo for a while. And now he's on a good team that's atop the division and he's a part of it. And so it's good to see the other side of the coin when they can get out of those situations or if their team like finally turns it around and they're still, you know, contributing to that. Well, yeah, that, that is always, you know, sort of the key. And, and it's interesting because obviously <clears throat> most of the time, when you have a, a prodigy, you have one of those, you know, once in a generation kind of draft picks available. They're not going to the defending Stanley Cup champions. They're going to a team that is in the middle of a rebuild. And it, it does sometimes take time for them to uh, either for that team to get good or eventually sometimes that player gets traded uh, like Jack Eichel, who ended up in Vegas. Yeah. Or, you know, John Tavares wound up in Toronto, you know, yeah. he left the the New York Islanders and when, you know, the Islanders weren't bad, but it just felt like they weren't going anywhere at that time when he left. Well, you know, the, the thing is he did <clears throat> take them from a laughing stock to a playoff team. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, he did get them to the playoffs, had that 
big uh, double overtime series clinching win over Florida, which gave the Islanders their first playoff win in like 20 years, but uh, wasn't able to get them to that next level. Then he goes to Toronto, becomes captain of the Maple Leafs. Regular season success, but not playoff success yet. But at least he is now on a consistent winning team. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's even when the team isn't bad, but like you said, the team just can't get beyond that first round of the playoffs. Right. So I, I, a guy I think of in that situation is Jerome Ginla, right. Where he was kind of in Calgary, he was the face of Calgary and that, you know, they just couldn't get out of the first round uh, of the playoffs after that uh, 2004 run they had and so he was kind of cup chasing at that point and, and left the flames and then you know uh, it didn't work out for him so it's like whether you choose to stay or whether you choose to go like it, it it's an interesting like decision point for these guys yeah yeah i mean and yet sometimes when you stay the team gets built around you and you end up being part of a very good team. I mean, look at uh, look at the Colorado Avalanche, which, you know, Matt Duchesne, way back in the day, great player on a struggling team. Now, Colorado Avalanche, defending Stanley Cup champs. There you go. So sometimes it pays to be patient. Sometimes. And, uh, sometimes. You know, and there's always issues, right? It could be a relationship with management. It could be a relationship. Uh, a coaching relationship issue. There's many reasons why guys decide to leave for a, a different team. Um, you know, whether it's to try and win a cup because their team is still struggling. I mentioned Claude Giroux again, uh, but I think that, you know, there can be a benefit to the patients if management is doing things the right way. No, no question about that. And, you know, there's another thing too, you look back at the history of the of the game and there are some players who are seemingly more comfortable being a good player on a struggling team where they know they're going to get their ice time they're going to get their points at the end of the day uh and that's seemingly more important to them than rather being a second line player on a good team where they're not going to get the ice time not going to get the attention not going to get the recognition. And then there are other players who would just rather win. Yeah. And, you know, it could be like family situations that they don't want to move. And that's perfectly yeah. reasonable. You know, Absolutely. they're people. And sometimes you want to stick around because you've built a life in a community and you have a family and your kids are happy in school and all of that. So, you know, it's some of the same life choices that the rest of us make. Uh, and so you can't really fault them or any of it, but I do think that the phenomenon of the really good player on the struggling team is an interesting one to watch just because you have to wonder if, you know, it's, they feel good about it when they're doing well and the team isn't, or because hockey is such a team focused sport, you know, it's, it's very, especially the NHL is, is very, there's no I in team, right? Yeah. And so, like, how does that fit into that locker room philosophy? And it's got to wear on, you know, losing consistently year after year has got to wear on people uh, in, in a certain way. And 
yeah, it, it's it's no, there are no easy answers to that. But uh, yeah, some players have made the best of it, and some players have moved on, and it becomes a question of what works for each individual player. We have got a busy weekend of hockey coming up, and Rachel and I will be back right after this to review some of the biggest games of the weekend. We will be back to discuss that and more on this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. So, Rachel, three games on tap for tonight in to kick off a busy weekend. What game has your eye on Friday night? Um, well, I think it's interesting that you know we have two teams that have struggled a little bit, although Nashville is is getting kind of back on the horse a little bit, but Nashville and Ottawa come in to face the two New York teams. And so I have a vested interest in the New York teams losing, obviously. <laughs> but, um, you know, the Rangers, I think, were off to a hot start and have cooled a little bit. And they've had some difficulties. And, you know, Ottawa has struggled as well. And so, like, what what are they going to do in this matchup? Is, like, one of them going to be able to, you know, right the ship uh, with this game. And Nashville just came off a win against the the red hot New Jersey Devils. So can they repeat it against the Isles? Yeah. And Nashville seems to have the Islanders number. The Islanders have struggled against them a lot in recent years. So let's see if uh, Nashville can keep on winning when they head to the UBS arena tonight. Saturday is the busiest day of the weekend. It, it always seems to be. Uh, we have 13 games on the schedule with only one matinee. Uh, usually we have a few of them. What what games stand out in your mind? So we have the Colorado Avalanche at Boston. Boston is still on that home win streak with 13. Is Colorado going to be the team to end it? Yeah, that, that is a big question, and that should be one heck of a match up uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time start in Beantown. And, uh, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champions against one of the hottest teams in the league can't, uh, can't say enough about how good that matchup should be. How about Vegas and Detroit? You know, quietly, the Red Wings, 11-6-5, not, you know, not getting a lot of attention but not playing badly in Vegas, as we know, has been red hot. Yeah, I think that uh, this is going to be a fun game. And I think you're right about Detroit. I think they need to get a little bit more credit around the league. And, you know, you have like the wizardry of Steve Eiserman putting together that roster. And you knew it was going to take a step forward this year. But like, is Detroit the LA Kings of this season, right? Do you look at what the Kings did last season? Is Detroit going to be that team this year? I think there's a potential there, and this will be a good matchup to see kind of where both of those teams are right now. Montreal visiting Edmonton and the Canadiens, you know, we got to give them credit. Nobody expected them to be above 500 this deep into the season. No, not at all. They were definitely in the the conversation when it came to tanking for Bedard. So uh, I think it's really fun that they're a better team than expected. It's always good when Montreal is good, honestly, for the NHL. And um, so that should be a fun matchup. And your Philadelphia Flyers will have a difficult task Saturday 
hosting the Red Hot New Jersey Devils. Can the Flyers give the Devils a, a tough game on Saturday? Uh, all signs po point to no, according <laughs> to my magic eight ball. But I think that uh, given that the Devils just lost a tough one against Nashville that I mentioned, uh, and the fact that the Flyers beat the Devils in the season opener for the Flyers that uh, did not go well for them. And there was lots of consternation about that. I, I think the Devils are going to be looking to win this one decisively and hopefully the Flyers can get it together. We shall see. Should be a good one. I love this matchup. Also seven o'clock Toronto at Tampa Bay uh, divisional rivals and, and two powerhouses from the Eastern Conference. Yeah, this is always a fun matchup, especially because of the scoring potential here. Uh, but then you also have Vasilevsky and Nett. You know, I, I think that I, this is like a battle of wills between these two teams <laughs> every time they play. And I love it. And two late games that have my eye, Florida in Seattle. The Panthers, you know, they had a lot of roster change even after winning the President's Trophy. But they are, you know, above 500 and, and hoping to start to gel and the Kraken, I think, have still surprised everybody. 15-5-3 uh, and three at this point. That's going to be a very interesting game out in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Kraken are on a win streak right now. I think it's seven in a row Yeah. right yeah. now. So uh, I think they'll be looking to continue that. The atmosphere there is absolutely off the charts watching those games. Um when I can stay up for them, I always try and watch because A, it's a great broadcast and and B, I love those games in Seattle. It's super fun. They are. And then the, the latest starting game on Saturday, the Carolina Hurricanes traveling to Hollywood to take on the LA Kings. And the Kings quietly are, are you know, doing pretty well, not getting a lot of attention and Carolina starting to gel a little bit. Uh, so this should be a good matchup. Yeah, I'm starting to see a Carolina team that could challenge the Devils for that top spot in the division. I think they're getting more consistent in their play. And so I think this matchup will be a good test for them and for the Kings, for that matter, you know, in terms of you know hanging with the top teams. Yeah, should should be a, a very, very interesting matchup and, you know, not a rivalry necessarily but two, two entertaining and good teams. Five games on tap for Sunday. To me, the best one on paper, Minnesota in Dallas to take on the Stars. Yeah, and, you know, Minnesota has been up and down this season, and, you know, Dallas is playing really strong hockey right now, and, you know, you have the old North Stars versus the new Minnesota team. I... I think that like, they're not really new anymore. That's the thing. I still think about it, you know, as as the the two stars going against each other. But uh, it, it seems like it'll be a good one. No, that that should absolutely be a, a very entertaining game, and I, I am looking forward very much to seeing that one. Want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. 
the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I will be back Monday talking to three of our local experts about the biggest stories from around the league. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.